right, welcome to Therapize Podcast. This is your host, Guy Hernandez, licensed marriage and family therapist here in California. We are actually going to detour today from um, exploring the five my five keys to effective communication, and we will come back to that uh, on our next episode, which will be on owning it, which I'm very much looking forward to because it's one of my favorite, essentially, interventions or ways to explore some family dynamics and uh, help families out when there's some sort of conflict, whether it be between the the parents, between the couple, or between parents and child. So, in the meantime, though, for today's episode, we have our first guest, which I'm very excited about, William Dansby. William is a co-worker of mine and a friend of mine that I've known for the past about two years. He's on today talking about attachment theory, which is perfect because it's uh, something that he and I really connect on and use a lot in our work with families to help them understand what's going on in their relationships with uh, each other and their adult relationships, but also between their relationship with their child or children. William is an associate marriage and family therapist, which means he will be applying to take his licensing test pretty soon here, so we wish him some luck. Um, during this episode, it's it's going to be another like foundational episode of kind of just getting the idea of what attachment is. So it's 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 incredibly informative, and at the same time, it really focuses on that baseline of uh, around how attachments formed in from from birth. So a lot of it's going to be in reference to uh, newborn babies. So you may be thinking to yourself, well, how does this apply to me if you don't have a newborn baby or a young child well the reason that it's important because the theory starts there as the foundation of this attachment to a your parent or caregiver from from birth but we don't get into it too much today but I'm hoping to have them back on for future episodes is taking that information and figuring out how to apply it as the child grows older and ultimately how that information, that initial attachment, applies to our adult relationships, especially in romantic relationships, as the um, as when a child is born uh, and its first exposure to the social world is starts one, from day one, once they are born, and getting into the info of how that attachment, like I said, I'm being redundant here, but applies to uh, one's life as uh, one continues continues to develop grow skills, grow grow in relationships, and figure out how to find success in those relationships when maybe difficulties arise. So William does an excellent job in outlining the foundations. So like I said, a lot of it applies to, a lot of it is in reference to the, those initial couple years. So like I said, even if you don't have young children or don't plan on having children, you can still, as you listen to the episode, start to see how it connects as your children grow older or for yourself how maybe some of these dynamics have applied in your adult relationships especially in adult romantic relationships and like I said hopefully Will and I can continue to record some episodes and dive deeper and deeper into more specifics and like like I've been saying in every episode so far a lot of this is foundational if you haven't listened to all the episodes I would highly recommend going back and listening to some of them especially um, that first episode on stress in the brain. So kind of apply that to how um, how that stress response, you know, starts kind of from day one. 
please share. Please continue to share this podcast. I appreciate it. We're currently at over 100 plays per episode, and we've got about 600, over 600 listens total. And in the last episode, I talked about that I'm going to do a giveaway with some, I'm going to order some new um, Therapize podcast giveaways so that for we'll do a thousandth listen giveaway. So stay tuned for that. There's going to be no conclusion to this episode, so you're just going to hear about a 50-minute long interview. So I'm going to try to address everything now. Uh, let's see. Also, yeah, please share. Uh, so share on Facebook. There is a Facebook uh, Therapize podcast, so please go and follow. Uh, would greatly appreciate if you repost and share that. Instagram is Therapize underscore podcast so please go and follow there and would be greatly appreciated if you shared please rate and review so when i look at the statistics it looks like most people are listening through apple podcast um, but if you're listening to any other podcast please go on there and leave a review or write a um, leave a, a rating it's truly appreciated and truly helps and you know i want to have more and more guests on so if you know anyone that you think would be a great guest to come on and talk about mental health um, I'd love to get connected, so you can uh, message me through either the Instagram, the Facebook, or you can always email me directly at thetherapizepodcast at gmail.com. And once again, remember that this is this podcast is intended to be informative and educational, and it is not intended to replace uh, your own professional mental health care and, and or direction. So if you do... Um, require mental health attention or treatment please seek that from a provider all right without any further ado uh, we're going to welcome on mr william dansby enjoy the show podcast uh today we have a guest uh on our show very excited about it william dansby right. and william is here to talk about attachment theory and give the listeners an idea about what that is how it applies to their life and um hopefully provide some insights that that listeners can connect to so i'm gonna go and let uh william take the floor from here yeah, and okay. offer some um some of the foundational information about attachment theory sounds like a plan thank yeah. you so much yeah. For the introduction, Mr. Guy Hernandez. Yeah. I really uh, appreciate being invited here today to spew out some knowledge that may be uh, helpful. Right? Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe this could be a nice way for you to fall asleep later on tonight. Okay. But hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully hopefully not. not. Okay, so uh, attachment. Yeah. Attachment theory, to me, um, pretty important. I think it was an easy way for me to understand how individuals connect. There's a lot of theories out there um, that get a little bit too convoluted or whatnot for mm. me. And this one seems a fairly straightforward way of helping me understand my impulses and my ways of connecting with other individuals. Mm -hmm. So I thought, why not learn a little bit more about it? And hopefully other individuals can too today. So originally... 
um, attachment theory was this concept idea from an individual named John Bowlby. And we're not going to get too deep into the logistics of everything, but just for a kind of a basis, you know, you have your big names, you got mm-hmm. your Freuds, you mm-hmm. got your Jungs. Um, in the world of attachment, Bowlby is the uh, the godfather of, mm-hmm. of attachment. And he wasn't so much of a researcher in himself, but he had ideas of how, you know, of how uh, connections were made. And a lot of it had to do with, um, like, separation anxiety. Uh, I'm guessing that um, a lot of us psychologists uh, and uh, psychotherapists, we take a lot of things from our own life, mm-hmm. and we want to learn from it. So we come up with theories and ideas. So Bowlby has this idea that... Um, this is back like in the 50s, I think, This right? is in the 50s. I want to say that, 50s. 50s. Yep, yep. This is in the 50s. And Bowlby suggested that all of us, when we're born, have this intrinsic biological need to attach to one individual. And he would stipulate, for many reasons, he was kind of like on the same... Uh, ship as the evolutionary uh, psychologist is that there are certain things that um, we develop to need in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And before we had these fantastic uh, towns and villages and all that stuff, we were, you know, uh, really dependent upon a small group of people to take mm-hmm. care of us. Yeah. Um, and specifically, uh, the one that really stands out is the female, the actual individual that gives birth to you. So there's a more special connection, uniqueness to that individual um, because literally your life kind of depended upon it. Yeah. Right in the beginning. Um, so Mr. Bowlby theorized that when we're born, we have this this need to really kind of bond or attach Mm -hmm. to one specific individual to learn a lot, to Mm -hmm. figure out how we can get our needs met, to figure out how we can regulate our own central nervous system, um, to figure out how we can survive, right? Um, Which is pretty darn important. And I think that as we, as a civilization and, you know, society has grown to kind of just take that for granted a little bit, um, if we look back, we really understand that that wasn't a given. We weren't, you know, you you weren't, oh, okay, we're going to be fine. We've got the, the Maslow hierarchy of needs kind mm-hmm. of deal. I got this. I, I got that for survival. So we already have that. But in the beginning, we didn't. So mm-hmm. we really needed one individual to look after us and take care of us. Um, and through that relationship, so many things occur, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Bowlby stipulated, or he suggested this, and he, like I said, he wasn't a researcher per se, so he put out an ad and said, I need somebody to research this and, and come up with some studies to either prove or disprove this. Um, and he found a, 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 an individual named Mary Ainsworth, and she was ready to take up the challenge, and she um, created um, a situation known as the strange situation. <laughs> um to help either prove or disprove Bowlby's theory, okay? Um, and that's kind of the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the beginning of the idea of attachment. Yeah. Is Bowlby said, hey, we have a biological intrinsic need to attach to one individual to make sure we survive, to make sure um, we can, you know, grow up and develop. Like, that is the beginning. And Ainsworth said, okay, I want to see if I can make that happen or not. And maybe you're completely wrong. Um, 
But spoiler alert, we wouldn't be here talking if he was wrong. Uh, Ainsworth did come up with, I said, the strange situation, which was this really kind of unique uh, idea of where she took a group of mothers. This was all 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 women um, and their newly born uh, children, their infants. And well, I think they were like what about two, right? They were well. She like started toddlers. so oh, sorry, the no. You're right. Yeah. They she she began the research before mm-hmm. they had their children, um, but then the actual video and documentation, I believe, was at the age of two to. Th- Three or something yeah. like that. Is that right? It, I think it's on because I think it's online. I think you can find it on YouTube. Okay, yeah, you definitely of the can actual, look at it. Yep, um, of the actual video of the strange situation. Yeah, yeah, and I strongly suggest you do that because even though my words are so beautiful, mm-hmm. they don't do the video. Well, it would give it, it would give yeah. a video to the context we we're talking about. Hundred percent. And but yeah, so the they set up this scenario, strange situation, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it. It sounded like the the research was starting prior to that to them actually implementing the strange. Situation. Yeah, they wanted to get a little bit of information on the parents and how the the mother and how they um, uh, implemented X amount of uh, you know parenting strategies mm-hmm. and I guess just you know the general disposition of the the mother. Yeah, um, and maybe how responsive they were to correct to, the baby's to, to, cries yep. or something of that sort. Correct. Yeah, yep. how much they held them, how much they did. Exactly. Yeah. Got a lot of got a lot of statistical information off of that, and then they created this thing called the strange situation. And to give you an idea of the strange situation, what it is is they put a the mother and their child into a room. And they're all by themselves, and in this room there was toys and things. It wasn't. Um, a uh, completely cold scientific room. It was like a kind of a, like a waiting yeah. room almost. Exactly. For like a, maybe like a children's dentist office or something. That's that, what it looks like. That is you know? exactly toys there. Yep. You know, there's some seats yep. for other people. It's not super yeah. cold, but it's not your home. Yeah. Either. Um, and so they give them a moment to get established in the room, and the child gets comfortable, and they're with their mom, and they're having a good time, they're talking, and they're playing. Um, and then at some point. They introduce a stranger, and the stranger comes into the room and just kind of uh, stands there for a moment. And then the stranger comes up to the the mother, and they have a conversation. And the child witnesses the conversation. And then, while the child is playing, the mother leaves the room um, with the child with the stranger, leaving the child with the stranger. leaving the child with the stranger, or like well. I guess leaving the child in the room and the stranger just in the room. Correct. So then we're like, yeah. "Hey, and, take care of this kid." Yeah, <laughs> and, and let's and, and you know for yeah. uh, transparency, yeah. the when we say stranger, yeah. right? And let's let's kind of demystify that word. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Watch out for that. <laughs> that was Thor's hammer. Uh, uh, a stranger is just an individual that I don't know yet, right? Yes, yeah. And that stranger was a stranger to the child, not a stranger to the parent. Yeah. Right. So the child had never seen this individual before. The child witnesses the caregiver, who, whom uh, they have an attachment of some kind with, mm-hmm. and so in that moment, the child kind of does a little deciphering dance of what's happening here. Right, mm-hmm. this individual who is my caregiver is talking to somebody I don't know, the stranger, mm-hmm. and now my caregiver leaves the room, and that is the beginning right there mm-hmm. of the strange situation to see what behaviors occur after that event. Mm-hmm. Um, and after observing uh, many, many trials of this, Ainsworth came up with three 
to four. Uh, it was three at first, and then at four, they uh, kind of or they looked at the tapes a little bit more mm -hmm. differently and said, okay, there's actually some uh, minuscule mm -hmm. differences. So they added a fourth, which is disorganized slash reactive attachment. Mm -hmm. But that will be a completely different podcast. For sure, for sure. Okay, yeah. so a little more complex. Yeah, a little bit more <laughs> complex. And for you know just basic information, you you don't really need to know about that right now. But maybe you do later, or it interests you. Mm -hmm. But they realized that there were three separate ways um, that the children would react when the strange situation occurred. Um, and the first one, which is predominant, is the, the, the majority of individuals um, in the study behaved this way. So when the mother left, the child would be visibly upset. They would be crying, anxious, looking around for the, for the caregiver. The stranger would come to try to console the child. The child would be somewhat consoled, but still concerned about where the caregiver went. Mm -hmm. um, and this would continue um, until the caregiver came back into the room, whereas that moment occurred, the child would see the caregiver and be able to co-regulate with that caregiver. He would notice that the caregiver was there to take care of them mm -hmm. and they would calm down and they could go right back to playing and doing whatever they were doing before that moment occurred. Right. Right? Right back to baseline. Right, right. back to baseline. Mm -hmm. So to wrap that up, a secure attachment, and that's what they called that. Yeah. Right? They called that a secure attachment. They said, so in a secure attachment, in a secure attachment with the mother and the child, this is what happens. Uh, the mother has a pretty darn good relationship with that child, and that child trusts that, mm -hmm. that individual. And then they see the mother talk to a stranger, and they say, okay, mom knows this person. I don't know this person. I'm wary. Mm -hmm. I'm wary of this, because I don't know this person, mm -hmm. right? I know this one person, and I really, really trust this one person. And then that person I trust leaves, and now I'm left with a person that I'm not 100% sure on. I know they're not completely horrible because my caregiver that I trust mm -hmm. was talking to them. So there's something in my brain that goes, okay, they're not the worst, yeah, yeah. right? And yet, they are not my caregiver. Yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely not it. So when they come to console me, I'm still going to be pretty angry. Yep, I'm not going to be excited about it. And I'm not going to be too overwhelmed to where it's the end of the world, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to go, okay, this is bad. Uh, I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it at all. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling scared. And I can maybe trust this person. I don't know. I'm not going to completely lose it, right? And then that moment doesn't last too long because uh, then the, the caregiver comes back mm -hmm. in. And then the second the, the, the child sees the caregiver, they see that compassion. They see that individual that's going to come and satisfy that need, that fear, that anxiety. They're going to be able to take that on, on their own mm -hmm. and help them co-regulate. Yeah. And, and that's a whole other segment too when we talk about regulation and co-regulation yeah. on on the importance of finding somebody to be able to co-regulate with, right? Mm -hmm. And that's attachment too, but that's just a little bit more. Um, and so that's how we learn though to regulate ourselves is through mm -hmm. that one consistent, mm -hmm. predictable, and reliable 
individual. Yeah. Which is CPR. Yeah. Well, CPR, yeah, which yeah, yeah we can talk about. Yeah. But that's 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 the very, the, the most important um, ground. The basement to a secure attachment is that it's consistency, reliability, and predictability of the caregiver. So a secure child going back, caregiver comes in, um, child sees that the caregiver's there, I know I'm good. I know mm-hmm. I'm safe again. Even though there's that stranger that's still in there, right? I know that mom, predominantly is mm-hmm. mom, uh, is there, and I can... Go back to my business. Yeah. I know that I'm safe. I know that I can start to what? Explore. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Explore, which I still like to do now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, is like the crux of attachment when we're going to go into this, you know, yeah. into the next kind of uh, phase of it, right? Yes. And I, I want to say something quickly about mm. just the idea of self-regulation because I think as therapists we use it so regularly and at times it's kind of it could be an abstract like what does regulation mean what does uh, what does that really mean and basically when we're talking about self-regulation is you experience some sort of distress and that you're able to manage that distress and get back to a uh, like a centered self where you can get back to your life where you you manage the anxiety yeah right? yes. I think mom leaves anxiety yeah. increases naturally because you're just this little kid mm-hmm. and now you're in this strange situation hence the the name of the study yes mom returns you have that built-in trust because of her consistent mm-hmm. predictable and reliable mm-hmm. um behavioral patterns to attend to your needs so then you can regulate you can calm yourself because this person has consistently met those needs and kept you safe and 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 Right. And, yeah, and that's, I would have to say, is a perfect segue into how that occurs. Yeah. How does a secure attachment happen? Yeah. Right. How, how, does do, it how do I get there? How does that develop? Yeah. Because it doesn't, it's not in a vacuum. It doesn't just, you know, it doesn't just occur because we want a, a child to become healthy and happy. Uh, there is a series of events yeah. that are very, very, very actually simple um, that occur before. Uh, regulation can occur Mm -hmm. and that's when you're talking about that core regulation and the regulation what you're talking about is needs being met right it is the simplest way is that a need is met by a specific individual so let's really break that down so when a child is born they do not have the skills to verbalize discomfort Mm -hmm. or needs don't have them like like they don't have hunger, them. no thirst. Yep. There's there's one. They got one, and it's ah, it's just ah, it's screaming. I got this. It's good, right? And that screaming is great. We want that, right? Yeah. We look forward to that in a baby. When a baby is born, what's the first thing that we want it to do? Make sure it's screaming. Make sure it's screaming, right? Yeah. Let us uh, know that you're going to communicate with us. Exactly. It's its first form. It's the most basic, primal form of communication. Got it. Before we develop language, right? Yep. And when I, I, I sorry, let me just. I was working with a few different families that I work with, but when I talk about it, I kind of remind them when I'm teaching about attachment is that as a baby, right? This is their one when they're an infant newborn. This is their one skill, right? And this is where attachment starts to start. And I'll let you get into it too, because oh, yeah, I don't want to yeah. take over. No. But is their their basic most form of communication is their ability to scream and cry, and and hence. Here is the uh, how attachments going to start to develop That's is it, yeah. when they communicate that those needs in mm-hmm. that manner when they're an infant or right. baby, you know, very small, is 
then how consistent, predictable, reliable is the caregiver to those needs? Correct. And that's where I think, and you know, I can't speak for Mr. Bowlby, but Mm -hmm. it, that's where the biological intrinsic kind of thing comes from. Like you don't teach the baby to scream and cry when they're born. Right. Right. It is this natural thing that happens. And when we learn how to satiate that Mm -hmm. or respond to that request, that's when this attachment cycle begins. Yeah. Right. So, that that was that was that was beautiful because like literally right the the child is born it screams it's having a really bad time that's pretty darn scary mm-hmm. I'm in a super comfortable place mm-hmm. all of a sudden rah, there's big people mm-hmm. everywhere I can barely see mm-hmm. somebody's sticking their finger down my throat to mm-hmm. try to clear my airways and and I'm not probably enjoying that right right I'm gonna have to scream to let people know this isn't super fun yeah right um. So that process or that cycle continues forever mm-hmm. from that moment until we're breathing right now. We all have a need that we need met, mm-hmm. okay? And as we get older and develop, we find more healthier and more socially acceptable ways to ask for them, hopefully, right? Rather well, than screaming at the top of our lungs, but not always. Not always, But right. not always, right? So... In order for us to be a securely attached individuals, this is what we need. We're born. We're crying. We're not having a good time, right? And and <laughs> then this being comes from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and walks up to me and there's a shadow on me. And I'm like, well, I'm still this is not okay. Yeah. And they take the moment to try to figure out what I need. Yeah. Right? And they don't always know. Right? We're not, you know, we, I don't speak baby. Right. I don't speak baby. But what I. When we did, I think we don't remember. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. It's there somewhere. Yeah. Um, But what we can do as a caregiver, and typically the mother, right, is they take that moment to try to figure out what that baby is saying. Right? How that baby is trying to communicate a need that needs to be met. Okay? Yeah. That's number one. So the baby's, and then the mother comes up, and, you know, you know, you've seen, you see them, you know, mm-hmm. oh, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. What's happening right now? Are you okay? And we know mm-hmm. that the baby isn't actually going, oh, I need this. Thank you so much for asking me, kind mother. Yeah. No. It's the tone. Mm-hmm. It's the intent. Yeah. Right? Uh, sometimes even more than the behavior because as we go into um, um, really um, uh, parsing out secure, uh, avoidant, uh, and, um, avoidant uh, and then um, anxious, ambiguous, right? For avoidant, it's not necessarily um, that the mother isn't there. It's that they have no attunement. Yes, so that's what a word I wanted to bring up, yeah. right, is in that yeah. moment when the mom's trying to figure out what's happening, right, this is the, the skill of attunement. Of, yes. Of, of the adult not speaking baby, but of going through trial and error until you start to recognize the patterns of the baby's needs, right? I love it, yes. And, yeah. and it all starts from, from birth. It does, right? it, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And Continue, then yeah. what's interesting too, and I'm going to go on a quick tangent, I promise it's quick, but... Those, like you said, the needs go throughout the lifetime. We, we continue to have human relational needs, and if if that security isn't attached, then then 
you may have tan like tantrum like behavior that exists for, for uh, that original it, attachment will show up in future relationships. Yes, exactly. Where the there isn't that attunement, so we find maybe uh, less adaptive ways to try to get our needs met. And so it starts with crying, right? But the the hope is that we evolve from there. Yes. And we we develop language and we develop the security so that we can. Utilize, get, our needs met. get our needs met more effectively through language versus through arguing and fighting and whatnot, right? Agree. Which is, yeah. So no, I'm no, but no, yeah. no. So, that that is a that is very important because I think it gets overlooked. It's not only that the caregiver has to be there for the child; it has yeah. they have to be there and give them space to understand what they need. Yes, right. So if I'm there, just changing a diaper and just feeding them, mm-hmm. and not really trying to understand and attune and give that compassion in my own regulation to that child, yeah. a different attachment forms, right? Yeah. Right? So going back to the secure attachment, right? The secure attachment, the baby cries. It has a need. It doesn't know how to tell you exactly what that need is, but it knows it feels discomfort. Yeah. And that is the... Let's, let's be very clear on that, right? So if I'm not experiencing discomfort, I'm not crying. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what a baby does. A baby describes its emotions by crying, Mm -hmm. and it's because it's feeling discomfort, right? Well, let's rewind that, actually. That's not... Mm -hmm. Okay, it feels... See, I... Um, I sometimes I have no idea what I'm talking about. Just let's know in that that moment. But, uh, no, so... Babies obviously express themselves in a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. But when a need, uh, an important basic need, mm-hmm. needs to be met, it's usually through a cry. A baby can laugh all day long, mm-hmm. and it's not like, ah, ha, ha, I need to be changed. Right. That's not happening. Yeah. Uh, when there is something that I really need that's detrimental to survival, it mm-hmm. cries. Yes. There we go. There you go. There we go. Mm-hmm. If I talk long enough, you come to it. The words <laughs> will come out. So give me a couple days and we'll eventually get to the point. But no. So if there is a distress and there is a basic need that needs to be met for survival, the baby's going to cry to let you know. Yeah. And it is the caregiver's job to decipher what that is. Mm-hmm. But not only just do it, to comfort the baby through it. Yeah. Not only just do it, to comfort the baby through it. That was for... <laughs> Anybody who likes like that, I did. So, yeah, uh, and maybe that will help you remember. Yeah, um, but but literally, that's the attunement piece that you were just talking mm-hmm. about. We can't just do things uh, coldly. Yeah. Right. Which um, I, I don't know. Would this be a good time to talk about the 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 experiment in the U.S. of of non attunement, or should well, I, I think, continue? Yeah, let's think of a, well, because no, well, right now we know how the secure attachment is basically formed, right? Yes, a uh, mother that's attuned that she's has this consistent, predictable, and reliable response, right? Yes. CPR, remember that? Yes. So the baby knows when it's in distress uh, that they can get their needs met, right? Yes. And this, and I want to be clear too, this is before language development, or what we're talking about Correct. here. Um, so I'm. We have two more types to talk about, so hopefully we can kind of yeah, outline yeah, those yeah, yeah. of the insecure ones and how those develop. Correct. And, you know, I don't even know if I completely even finished that, that mm-hmm. circle. So the baby has a need, uh, let's verbalizes in the only way that it can, is mm-hmm. through crying that it has a need. The caregiver comes, meets that need, but also meets it compassionately, yeah. right? And then the baby realizes that there is somebody out there that's going to meet that need and take away that distress. Yeah. And then it forms, this is the most important part, it yeah. forms a trusting relationship with that one individual. Yeah. And I'm thank you for bringing it, because that yeah. is the, the most important thing yeah. of attachment. 
the baby realizes it can get its needs met yep. through a specific individual that is uh, consistent, predictable, and reliable. Yep. And they always do it. That when I cry, they come and change me, yeah. and they tell me you're gonna be okay, and then I go back. I cry, I'm hungry, they feed me, I feel better, the distress is gone, I go back. Mm-hmm. I'm crying because I, I, maybe I pinched myself and mom comes over there and, and you know kisses my boo-boo mm-hmm. and tells me everything's gonna be okay and then I can go back, right? That is slowly building up this trusting relationship between an individual that is that co-regulation. Mm-hmm. When I get dysregulated, I don't know how to regulate myself yep. until somebody else teaches me. Yep. And if that doesn't occur, mm-hmm. that's when the insecure attachments happen. Yeah. Okay. And that's what. And that's what's next. Right? Yeah. Is that circle? So I'm a baby. I got a need. Mom comes and takes care of me. I realize mom can do that, and I feel good, and I go back. Now, if that doesn't happen, what happens? Probably not good things, mm-hmm. right? Not the end of the world things, but this is what what is the beginning of having insecure attachments. So and increased anxiety and increased anxiety. Yeah. So the very easiest way um, for me, even as we're speaking, is to decipher the two between uh, or decipher attach or distinguish <laughs> attachments between um, kind of two general. Uh, areas of concern. We have your secure, right? And then we have insecure. Yep. And under secure, you only have one. Yep. And under insecure, you have, you know, you can read a whole bunch of books and you have maybe a thousand of them, mm-hmm. right? But really, there's three to four, right? Kind of like umbrellas. Or I mean, I'm right? sorry, two to three. Two to three, two yeah, to like three. umbrellas. An umbrella. Yeah. So you have secure attachment, which is when the mother is always meeting the needs and understanding what the needs are, being compassionate and meeting those needs, mm-hmm. and then trust forms. Mm-hmm. And then you have insecure attachment, which can be either um, anxious ambivalent mm-hmm. or avoidant, mm-hmm. right? And in these two uh, different kinds of attachments, they form in two different ways. Mm-hmm. All right. And before I get into that, we're actually going to dive a little bit deeper into secure attachment and actually why it's important. So it seems like I think the listeners at this point have an understanding of how it all develops. But for me, what came up was the why it's important. And if we think about, and I want to be very clear too, when, when William's talking about attachment and the, and the baby's crying, he's talking about babies like, you know, newborns. And this was generally talked about from the attachment being most important between zero to two. So we're not quite talking about like older kids crying and getting their needs met that way. Like that's a whole different topic we might get into. But of why secure attachment, coming back to secure attachment, is important is because when a, a baby's born, their world is their caregiver. Yes. That's the that is their their main that's their survival. No. And at that time that's their world. And as that baby starts to grow into a toddler and then grows into an adolescent and eventually adult, their world keeps expanding. So if they, they develop a secure attachment, essentially when they're a baby, when they're their most vulnerable, then as they get older and older, they, they, they feel the security to uh, embrace more and more uh, exploratory situations mm-hmm. and, and, and more comfortable with putting themselves in potentially vulnerable yeah. situations. Because when they were most vulnerable, their needs were consistently met and they could have internalized this this sense of security within themselves as they 
continue to expand their world, 100%, so to speak, yeah, right? 100%. And I mean, that, kind of... Yeah, and that is exact. I'm glad that you brought that up because literally that is like the, the second part of attachment um, is not only being able to get your needs met, right? And you're seeing that, that one individual that you're gaining trust with and understanding that they're going to be there for you, right? So that that one relationship starts to create an, uh, an internal working model, mm-hmm. right? To where you say, okay, this is how this world works, yeah. right? Yeah. It works just like this, that I have an issue. There's a, there's a special person out there that's really going to take care of me and mm-hmm. make sure that that issue is resolved and I can get back to regulation, mm-hmm. right? And when we talk about regulation, right, we're talking about that. We're talking about having the ability to feel safe, secure, and calm in a lot of different situations. And we don't get that without that caregiver. Well, I just thought of another thing, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're being, I mean, I'm going to be a little redundant here, but yeah. the idea of crying, yeah. right, as a baby, that's your skill, yeah. right? That's your tool. Yeah. And then you get, you find, your brain finds success in that tool to get your needs met, right? Yeah, yeah. But as you get older and older, Right, the t- those tools expand. Yes. But if you have that internal working model as a baby, that your tools that you have lead to uh, you being able to self-regulate mm-hmm. and be okay. Get your needs met. Then as you grow older and older, those, those tools can expand. Correct. Versus you going, the tools I have innately don't work. That is correct. And that is how we venture down the path of insecure. different insecure. Right. Right? But in order to um, get that secure attachment... <laughs> what we're talking about is getting those needs met. And then, right, now we got this internal working model that, okay, this mother of mine, this 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 uh, unique caregiver is going to do that for mm-hmm. me. So that gives me confidence in my ability to do things on my own, right? And that's when we get to the 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 other kind of significant part of attachment and it comes in kind of like a four four steps we've got proximity maintenance we got a safe haven we got a secure base and we got separation distress right mm. and um basically what that means is after after i've realized that there is a specific caregiver that's going to get my needs met i have a trusting relationship with them I can now internalize that working model mm. and say, okay, this is how the world works. Yeah. It is safe. It is predictable. Mm-hmm. It gives me the confidence to venture out further and further from my caregiver, which is what we all want right? right? We for our children. Right. I, hopefully, we want them to be able to take on um, the hardest things for themselves. Yes, yeah. and still be able to ask for help. Yes. Um, right? Because that's that's also an, an important um, part of secure attachment. Knowing that even if it gets really, really tough, there are somebody, there are people that I can ask for help. That you can trust and confide in. That I can trust yeah. and confide in. There so, are reliable yeah, people out there. There are yeah. consistent, reliable yeah. people out there because you know you can be. Mm-hmm. You know you, you've known one, mm-hmm. so you know they exist. Exactly. You don't discount them all because that can start to paint a very terrible narrative for all relationships, which insecure relationships and insecure attachments do. Yeah. Um, but as for that proximity daily, it, it really works out like this. And you've seen it a hundred times in the playground with kids or even when you're at, you know, your your uh, local uh, daycare or your local park. You have your two-year-old or so and they usually kind of hang out pretty darn close to their caregiver, mm-hmm. their, their mother. They're not too far away from mm-hmm. them, right? And then when they do venture out a little bit farther, they always do that look over the 
shoulder yeah. daily. Is she still there? Yeah. Right? And watching, knowing what I'm doing. Is she? Does she care? Yeah. Is she going to be there if I get hurt? Yes. Right? And we want that. Mm-hmm. We want them to look back and to see that you're still there, right? And eventually, that be- that distance uh-huh. becomes greater uh-huh. and greater yeah. until one day your child is a college student mm-hmm. and they don't have to call you 24-7 to make sure they're going to be okay. Right. They're going to call you once a week. It's going to bother you. Because you want to talk to them more, mm-hmm. right? But <laughs> if you did your job pretty well, mm-hmm. they internalized everything that you taught them. Right. And you don't need to be five feet from them to reassure them that they're going to be safe right. and confident, right? Yep. They can be a hundred miles away from you and you let them know that, you know what? I'm only a phone call away if things get really, really, really tough, right? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, you're going to be able to get through it yourself. And that's a secure attachment. Yeah. That is what we're screaming for, right? We want we want originally, right, the proximity maintenance. We want the child to desire mm-hmm. being around that caregiver. Because that's right. If I don't want to be around you, I'm not going to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's that consistency, uh, predictability, predictability, reliability. Right. Um, is this caregiver is there? I want to be around them. They're gonna keep me safe. That's proximity maintenance. So I want to be around them, uh-huh. and that starts out with actual proximity, right? And then they see that that okay, I know this individual. I want to be around. They can make my needs met. They become my safe haven, which says to me that I can leave them, and if I'm starting to feel discomfort, I can come right back to them. Yeah. And they're not going to be mad that I left. That's a big one. Yes. Yeah. That's a big one. I need to know that they're strong enough to support me in me going a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't need to worry about them. A child, right, can grow uh, or develop completely differently if they know that their parent can't take care of themselves. Because then they're even going to work. Gonna, they got two things. Mm-hmm. If they can't take care of themselves, they probably can't take care of me. Right. But also if they can't take care of themselves, maybe I need to be there to take care of them. Yep. Right? right. So we don't want that. No. We don't want that. And, and that's going to be an insecure attachment. Yeah. So, But a secure attachment is going to say, man, my caregiver, they got it together. They know that when I'm hurt, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they also know when I'm fine. Yes, that's a big one. There it is. That's a big one too. Because I was going to say too, you brought up the idea of the... The playground kind of setting, right? Mm-hmm. And then the child uh, walk, being able to walk and explore a little further as they get more and more confident and that the parent is still there, but not hovering, right? And not and also not completely disengaged either. Yeah. That they're aware, but also they're, they're instilling some sort of confidence that the child can keep exploring and that it's going to be okay. And that if it's not okay, the parent is still there. There it is. And you can see this if you kind of do your own self-experiment because yeah. going to parks and... and seeing the different amount of distance between parents and like some, some sometimes the reaction so sometimes there's a kid that gets hurt and the parents not there right yeah. or sometimes the the kid gets hurt and the parent is instantly there and, all is, over and, and is overwhelmed yeah. right yeah. so then the kid kind of in that moment might think they need to take care of the parent this right? is true. and then there's a kid that gets hurt and then the parent kind of stares from a distance and is like, you okay? Yeah. Right? That That's usually the security that attachment is. of kind of what we're talking about is, I'm here, but I think you might be okay. 
You yeah. know, I'm if you're generally you not, yeah. I'm you can, can come right over. Correct. Right, and yep. then yeah, so those that's kind of that. Yeah, know, that yeah. is the intricacies mm-hmm. of it. Like mm-hmm. you can really tell. Like the the secure attachment is going to say, mm-hmm. okay, my kid fell down. I'm there. I'm looking at you. There's eye contact. Mm-hmm. I'm not smothering you. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Oh no, that's the end of the world. Right. right. I'm actually letting you decipher if you're okay or not. if you're okay or not yeah. by looking at me and my reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that's the attunement mm-hmm. and the attachment piece. The kid's looking to us yeah. to understand how we are going to handle this situation, yeah. right? And that is that is huge in this kind of the, the proximity, the safe haven, using that caregiver as a secure base. You are a place that I can come to and I know it's going to be great. I can see you. I still know I'm good. Mm-hmm. I am carrying what you have given me further and further and further away. Right, and the more that you can trust that you've done a good job, yeah, the more that I will know that I can take care of myself. So it is a two-way street, really. Mm-hmm. The child is constantly looking back to that original caregiver to see their reaction to situations, and if they are calm, I'm going to be calm too. Yeah. Right, and then now mm-hmm. we're going to have to go down the insecure route because mm-hmm. then that's where the things get a little different for kids who start to develop insecure attachments. Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned that there are two significant uh, distinctions between the insecure attachments. There's an anxious ambivalent, and then there's an avoidant. And these both form in different ways, right? So let's take the uh, anxious ambivalent first, okay? Anxious ambivalent occurs when you have a caregiver that attunes sometimes, not all the time. Isn't predictable. Isn't consistent. They're not consistent. Isn't reliable. They're not reliable. But sometimes they're great. Sometimes they are, right? Oh, man. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they are there. And then sometimes they're never there. Right? So, so on one hand, you know what it's like. I know what it's like. To be attuned to. So you crave it. And you also know. Exactly. And then you know what it's what it's like to be kind of avoided left or neglected, alone. Right, left alone. And yeah. both those are extremes, mm-hmm. so it kind of makes you act in an extreme. Because you know how good it feels to be loved. Mm-hmm. So you crave it, right? So you have big reactions when you don't get it, mm-hmm. right? You've got to really let people know this is not okay. Your system is broken and mine is right. So if mm-hmm. I don't get your attention for you to come seek it, or for you to come deal with my need, uh, I don't know what, what else really to do. And then I go to the other extreme. Yeah, I don't need you at all. Yeah, I, you're. Yeah, you don't do nothing for me. And sometimes they do that. It's it's that extreme in the absence of it. So if you're gone, I might really really scream about it. But when you're there, uh, I let you know. But it's okay that you're there. I'm not really gonna praise you. For, for you being there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show some emotion. I'm going to be happy, but it's not going to be a like a like that secure attachment. I'm always going to wonder when it's not going to be there, right? It's going to make me anxious, right? Yeah. The trust isn't completely formed. So this is a mother who, right, you cry, came there and completely took care of you, and then the next time you cried, she wasn't there. And so you're wondering about your partner as you get older. Mm-hmm. Will she, does she really love me? Mm-hmm. Does she love me as much as she says? She's, I love her so much. 
now I don't even care about her. Now I don't even care about her because she's not showing me that love, right? So it's a it's a roller coaster. Well, this is that idea I was going to say yeah. about the fam- from the family systems model. I'm not going to get too much into yeah, that. Yeah. But that idea of emotional cutoff and how attachment plays into that, right? So if you've had this inconsistent, unpredictable kind of attachment and care from your primary caregiver or mother, and you know what it's like to really be loved and attuned to, and then you know the pain of not being loved and attuned to when you really mm-hmm. needed it yeah. as, as a young, vulnerable baby. Yeah. You know, the, the adult relationship, you'll you'll fawn over that. You'll really want to get all that love. And the, the, the first sign that it's not there, that, that you you would go, forget Boom. it. I'll cut you off then. Yes. It's all done. And you know what? Better me than you. Yeah. Better me making the decision to end it than you because I, I, I hate that idea. Because at least yeah. we can control it, right? Complete dysregulation. I, yeah. I, I broke up with you. Yeah. And, you know, and you could see this pattern replay over yeah. and over again. And then at the end, as soon as they're gone, mm-hmm. oh, I made the bad mistake. Mm-hmm. What did I do? They were the only one that really understood me. Mm-hmm. And that's that roller coaster mm-hmm. of, of need and, and not need. Yes. Um, you never really know trust. Right. That's the, the crux of attachment is trust. And you're hyper vigilant for the flaws 100%. that are going to prove that 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 caregiver yeah. or that attachment figure is going to walk away. Yep, because they're gonna. Yeah, because they're gonna. Because because gonna. that's what my beliefs. Exactly. That's what my core belief says. It's ingrained. So yeah. at some point, that that attachment figure, which starts with your initial caregiver and then eventually to to you know your relational, romantic, your relational yep. you know your romantic partner, yeah. is eventually they're going to walk away and disappoint me. So the first sign I have of that, I'm going to cut it off to protect myself. Correct. And this is the it. this is the ambivalent one. You right? got it. This I is don't quite know. Yep. I dive into it yep. and I enjoy it, and then yep. I cut it off as soon as I fear yep. that it's going to get bad. And that in the in the strange situation, or that I'm going to have to reject it. Yep. Yeah. And then that in the strange situation mm-hmm. is when the uh, so we're going back to Ainsworth is mm-hmm. in the strange situation the mother you know leaves the room and the child freaks out. Mm-hmm. They lose it completely. They're mm-hmm. really like, ah, oh, I really need this person to come back. Mm-hmm. And then the stranger comes in and they're like, dude, this is, you're not going to be able to do nothing for me, right? Because right. this is, was the most important thing. And then they come back in and they can't really be consoled. They're still going to mm-hmm. be angry. They're still mad. Uh, they want them to know that this is emotional, mm-hmm. that this was not okay. And sometimes the caregiver is going to be able to, to provide that uh, consoling, uh, you know, touch or whatnot, but sometimes not. And now we got the other one. Mm-hmm. We've got your avoidant, right? Mm-hmm. Which when we were talking about earlier, maybe 15, 20 minutes ago, when I said that it doesn't only matter about the... Um, the act in changing somebody's diaper or feeding them. Right. It also, it, it what matters is the attunement. Yeah. And that's that the warmth, avoidance. Yeah. The compassion. Yeah. yeah. So when you have an insecure avoidant attachment, it comes from a caregiver that really didn't have that warmth. Yeah. They might have been actually consistent. Mm-hmm. They might have came and changed your diapers, but they didn't, they didn't. They didn't actually, like, maybe they did this. Like, oh, you're, there's something wrong with you. I'm going to feed you, change your diaper, and kiss your wound. Mm-hmm. You didn't, there was no chance to really understand me, mm-hmm. right? To understand what I really, 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 really needed. Yeah. And it's a coldness. It's yeah. a disconnect, yeah. um, which 
makes the child realize that this person isn't really going to meet my needs. Mm -hmm. I can't really depend on them to make me happy and stop this feeling. So they do this cutoff. I'm going to just avoid you. I'm going to not depend on you. I'm, I'm going to still feel all the feelings that I feel, but I'm not going to come to you for support because you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. And in the strange situation, that shows up as the mother or the caregiver leaving, right? And the kid doesn't even care. Kid maybe doesn't even, doesn't even notice. And they'll just kind of be, you know, doing their own thing. They can have a stranger come up, and that's just, you can console me just as fine as my mom, right? Because I expect the same amount of you as I do somebody I know, and that's kind of sad, right? Like, like I know that my caregiver isn't really gonna help me, so you can have a shot too, because you probably don't have a really chance either. Everyone's gonna let me down, everybody's gonna let me down, yeah. and then when mom comes back, I ignore her. Yeah, you're what's the point? So I learn to take care of myself, mm-hmm. even though I don't know how to take care of myself. Right? That's the that's it. That's right? It, yeah. My and so when they watched that, they were confused right away. They're like, "Wow, they might have this all together. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They don't need consolement. Yeah. Right? You're like, oh, mom comes back. He doesn't even need need a hug. Yeah. But then they listened to their heartbeat. And their heartbeat was out of control. It was like they were in fight or flight, right? Yeah. They were experiencing a traumatic situation. They just learned to not let anybody know it, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is horrible. But when I tell somebody it's horrible, when I cry, they don't even know what I want. It's all useless anyways. I'm crying because I'm hungry, mm-hmm. and she changes me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what the heck? That's... Okay, so I cry now, and I'm hungry, and you change me. Not mm-hmm. cry now... And I need to be changed and you feed me. You're never meeting my needs. Mm-hmm. So why am I even crying out for you? Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. Um, so I got to figure out this for myself. And that's scary. Yeah. Right. And so my mechanism that comes in is says, okay, I got this, but I don't. And then I learn all my relationships that I really can't depend on folks. Mm-hmm. And that if I really express my needs... Uh, they're probably not going to meet them. So Someone's why should I? Down why should I ever get intimate? Yeah. Why should I ever have intimacy with anybody? Yep. Because the second I let them know, they're going to let me down. So even though I want it so bad, mm-hmm. I want that intimacy. There's no way for me to ask for it. Yeah. No. And yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, it's. The, the that's that's attachment, right? The so I love secure. Everybody wants to be <laughs> secure. And the truth is, you know. We all have a little bit of a mix between them all. Mm-hmm. There's never the mother that was probably there 100% of the time. We've always had to experience a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, avoidance. Um, and for the most part, we do have a little bit of a chance to work on those as we develop. Mm-hmm. It's not set in stone, that, that zero to two to two to five, but yet it is the groundwork, right? right. So the reason... 
I kind of got into therapy is because I wanted to look at those things and see how I could maybe have some kind of influence on it. Yeah. So I definitely believe that through our um, relationships as we grow um, and we get more information that we can slowly chip away at that original core belief, that original attachment. And yet it will still be there. Yep. Um, but us understanding how it formed in the first place can see how we're acting, reacting and responding in um, our relationships. Um, so we can actually have some kind of uh, advocacy for ourselves and some kind of um, control over how they go rather than being a victim of our attachment, right? Some competency. Yeah, some competency. Yeah. Okay, I know that I know that when I'm feeling um, you know, not attended to, I might freak out because I'm a little bit anxious and mm. ambivalent. And I know that when I'm like going to yell and scream, that it might be scary to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So like in that moment, let's try to tamper that down and go, okay, this isn't going to get my needs met in this relationship. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. We got to find out, like you said, um, in the very beginning, the only way we know when we're a baby is screaming to get our needs met. But hopefully as we develop, we find more socially appropriate ways um, of verbalizing and expressing our needs, yeah. looking for people that we know we can trust to support those needs. Yeah. Yeah. That's attachment. That's attachment. That's attachment, baby. Yeah. I, right? I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you covered the, the baseline... Uh, foundational information of attachment. I think we can go on for hours, you and I, because oh, yeah. you and I are really big into this. I think yeah. it's what really both got us into the field. Or definitely for me, yeah. and it sounds like a bit for you. I can agree. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that the listeners at this point got a good understanding, and I think they do because I definitely do as a good refresher from listening to you. So thanks. Uh, I think we could easily have you on more and more, and and talk a little bit more specifically how this foundational information starts to apply as the person progresses through the life cycle from yeah. uh, toddlerhood to you know the elementary years to adolescent to young adulthood and so on and how we kind of apply this uh, this theory this foundational attachment information into into uh, our world I agree how we approach our relationships how we approach them um, I, yeah. I agree thanks for having me here today kind yeah. sir um, and I look forward to future conversations absolutely thank you for your time right. Will Keep, keep hope alive. Thanks, brother. All the most popular brands.